Hi, I'm Victoria Starik Semolin, co-founder and director of strategy at the Council on Geostrategy, a new foreign affairs think tank based in the heart of London. And this is Geostrategy 360, our weekly podcast which discusses current geopolitical and environmental security issues with politicians, government and military officials, business people and experts. This week, the government has launched the Integrated Review 2021. The document sets out a vision for global Britain, and the document has also been named as the biggest review of the UK's defence, security and foreign policy since the Cold War. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Tom Tugendhat, a chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee at the House of Commons, to discuss the Integrated Review and to hear his insights on the UK's foreign policy direction in the upcoming years. Mr. Tugendhat, welcome. Thank you very much. It's nice to be with you. So let's start with the first question. Over the last decade, UK policy has been focused on preserving the post-Cold War rules-based international system, which has greatly benefited the UK and other nations. Today, however, the international order is more fragmented, characterised by intensifying competition between states over interests, norms and values. The integrated review states that the defence of the status quo is no longer sufficient for the decade ahead. What else is needed? Well, uh, the defence of the status quo is uh, is uh, sadly too much in the past. What we actually need to do is to expand the boundaries. Now, by this, I mean... We need to build up partnerships of allies and friends who have a similar, if not identical, interest in making sure that the world is as predictable as we can make it. And it's that predictability that we call the world's the uh, international rules-based system or, or, or many other different names, uh, which is about making sure that disputes between states, disputes between contracting parties, whether they're companies or individuals, are able to be resolved in peaceful and uh, fair ways and not just uh, by force. So defending the the rules is frankly about defending the future. The integrated review also um, speaks a lot about uh, competition. And when we think about competition between political systems, competition to shape the international order, and competition across multiple relatively new spheres, such as technology, cyberspace, and space, we inevitably think about who we are competing with. The Integrated Review names Russia as the most acute direct threat to the UK and China as a systemic competitor. How should we be dealing with both countries in the years ahead? Well, the reality is that our relationship with Russia is very poor today, uh, barely existent in many ways. And uh, we're dealing with a country that has uh, really let down its own people so badly. Its government has let down its own people so badly through effective robbery and theft of the natural resources and the intellectual ability of the Russian people that we're seeing a very broken uh, country and a very uh, a very damaged economy. And so actually, although there are immediate threats of Russian activity on its borders and we know about Russian activity through cyber the reality is it's not in it's not a peer level threat to the uk and hasn't been sadly for many years well sadly maybe the wrong word there but you know what i mean it hasn't been for many years because uh, the putin regime has so degraded the capabilities by robbing off not just the russian people but the russian military and so on so that's i'm afraid the relationship that we have with russia now i'd like it to improve i really would um I think the, the Russian people have an enormous amount to offer the world uh, in a thousand different ways. But sadly, the Putin regime 
maintains them in a system of oppressive captivity. Now, as far as uh, China goes, that's a different challenge because China is not just uh, powerful. It is the world's second largest economy and probably the world's largest country. And so finding a way in which we can work or at least cohabit the same globe is absolutely essential for all of us. And that's where I think that we need to invest a lot of energy in working with allies to make sure that we create a structure into which we can all operate. The Euro-Atlantic is mentioned 15 times in the Integrated Review, whereas the Indo-Pacific is mentioned 32. The Indo-Pacific is obviously growing in importance, and the UK aims to pursue deeper engagement in support of shared prosperity and regional stability with its allies and partners in the region. How can our current alliances and partnerships be reinvigorated in the light of a new emphasis on the Indo-Pacific? Well, this is where we need to really be looking at our partners in the region. We've spoken uh, in the past about uh, Japan and India, and the the work that uh, you're doing on geostrategy is is absolutely essential in finding out where we're going to expand, because finding these new partners isn't just about having trade that the UK uh, markets can go into, but it's also about having partners who can support what we've just been speaking about, the international rules-based system. If we cannot bring in new partners, if we cannot expand our alliances, then we can't defend those principles which underpin our prosperity and, by the way, the prosperity of millions and millions of others. So this is uh, absolutely essential to making sure that we have a global system that works for um, free people around the world. Now, India is an essential partner. Japan is an essential partner. South Korea is an essential partner. But there are others too. Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand. I can keep going. And that's where we need to be looking at these investments. This year is a significant year for the UK. So we will be hosting COP26 in November. And also, as noted in the integrated review, tackling climate change will be one of the UK's international priorities in the years and decades ahead. At the same time, uh, the integrated review favours continuing trading relations with China, even though China is the world's biggest polluter in terms of greenhouse gas emissions and releasing plastic waste in the oceans. How should the UK square that circle? Well, the reality is there's no point in dealing with the uh, in making deals with the cleanest countries. We need to make deals with the dirtiest ones. And so it's uh, it's seeing China change its ways that's so important. And not just China, let's be honest, but many countries around the world, including to a certain extent us. So we need to be building up uh, ways in which we all improve our footprint uh, in terms of carbon emissions and pollution and find ways in which we can cooperate. Because the reality is that what is burnt in China is felt in the UK and, uh, and vice versa. So we need to make sure that we are supporting each other. Now, this is difficult because the response mechanisms, the democratic system in the UK, makes us more responsive to public pressure than uh, China's authoritarian dictatorship. But the reality is China is just as exposed to environmental change as anybody else, and perhaps even more so because of its population. And when you see the salination of the eastern seaboard uh, and the rice fields of the eastern seaboard of China, or you see the expansion, the desertification of parts of northern China as the Gobi Desert is uh, growing, and indeed, the unrest that you see in towns and cities across China in response to pollution, you can see that these are um, these are issues that affect us all. And the Chinese state is no more immune uh, to the pressures of climate change than any other country. 
Mr. Tugendhat, um, you are chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee at the House of Commons. So my final question would be about your three top areas of focus for you and also the Foreign Affairs Committee for this year. Well, the main one is climate. Um, this year is a very big year for environmental diplomacy. So we've just uh, begun a report on environmental diplomacy. Of course, that's focused on the COP26 events in Glasgow this uh, autumn. But there are many other events. Kunming, for example, earlier this year is going to be uh, a major event on biodiversity held in China. And we're going to be uh, seeing many other different uh, events around the world where we are shaping um, not just environmental policy this year, but in years to come. And if these are just simply one-off shows, then they will be failures. What they need to be is they need to be waypoints on a journey that take us not to 2%, but below 2%, and with any luck, well below one5 and perhaps even, if we get it right, uh, below that. So, you know, I hope that we're going to see a, uh, a serious investment in environmental diplomacy, and that's what we're going to be looking at. The second thing that we really need to be looking at is uh, how we rebalance with Europe. You know, we've left the European Union and we need to have a productive and constructive relationship in the Euro-Atlantic region. We know that our defence is based on the protection or the defence of the Eastern European countries who hold the line for NATO. And that our defence is also based on the military capabilities of countries that have uh, borders or, or rather that have coastlines on the Mediterranean. So how do we work with Europe? How are we going to be able to be constructive and not just confrontational? I think that is a fundamentally important question for the UK. And the third issue, which uh, you know does come up uh, relatively often, but really does bear repeating, is how do we guard ourselves at home from uh, the threat of dirty money uh, in our systems. Now, the, the Foreign Affairs Committee has done work on this, as you may remember, the May 2018 report that we did entitled Moscow's Gold about the corruption or the attempted corruption of uh, many of our UK institutions is, is one element. But the emphasis that this is actually a part of national security, that making sure that we aren't playing host to hostile state assets and, uh, and the corrupt gains of uh, different regimes is absolutely essential. So I'm going to be focused more on that. And I hope very much that we'll be doing some more work on it too, because all three of them together are about what I think foreign policy is about fundamentally, which is the prosperity and the happiness of the British people. And it is not possible to achieve that unless we have a solid base in our region. We have a globe in which uh, we're not about to suffer the horrors of climate change or severe climate change and an economy which is not subject to corruption and distortion. Absolutely. Well, these are very important priorities and we wish you best of luck um, uh, working on them. It's been wonderful to hear your thoughts on the integrated review and how the UK can shape the world um, of the future in the years and decades to come. A world in which open economies and societies like the UK can flourish. Um, thank you also to our listeners. This is GeoStrategy 360, Council on GeoStrategy podcast, where legislators, government and military officials, diplomats, journalists and experts discuss the most pressing geopolitical and environmental security issues and offer the solutions to successfully tackle them. You can listen to GeoStrategy 360 on all major podcast platforms and you can find all our podcasts on our website www.geostrategy.org.uk slash podcasts.